Today I'll be reading from Nehemiah 9.3. While I stood in their place, they read from the book of the law of the Lord, their God, for a fourth of the day, and for the other fourth they confessed and worshipped the Lord, their God. Here is, uh, we'll be in Acts chapter 19 here in just a minute. That's the first scripture we're going to look at. But uh, I wanted to give further information uh, as we, we jump into the lesson today. We've been going through, for the last several months, a selection of, of elders for the church here. And there's, I'll give you the update of where we're at at this point in time. Okay? There was, uh, we, we've postponed things a, a few weeks just because basically we, we looked for the congregation, asked you to respond and say, who are the people that are shepherding you? And those names that, that uh, came to the surface were, um, were contacted. We sat down with them and their wives and said, all right, here you have about a, a week and a half or so to make a decision if you're going to do that. And all, and all of them said, well, wait a minute here. This is a huge deal. We need some more time to think and pray through this. This is something that's very, very important. And so what's happened is a few of the guys uh, said that they're, they cannot serve at this time uh, for, for some different reasons, but have said, this is one of the greatest compliments I've ever been given, and I am completely and totally on board with, with the church and, and shepherding people and helping out in any way I can at this point in time. I just cannot be recognized as a shepherd at this point in time for, for different reasons. And there's one name that has walked through the process, and I talked to them on the phone last night. Um, Carl Spiegel has said he will allow his name to come before the church and... Um, and so what we'll do is in the next days we'll send it out via flock note and then have it available Wednesday and Sunday. Just a, a basically a sheet of paper that'll say these these are the qualities of an elder. Um, is how do you think Carl meets this? Um, and Carl is to to give you an idea of how Carl's walked through this process as as he's talked with me on the phone. I had permission to share this last night. Is or what he said last night. Carl said, Chris, here's the deal. I, the church sees something in me that I do not see in myself, okay? And, and I wrestle with, I, I'm a quiet guy, I'm a behind-the-scenes guy, and for me, uh, serving in a capacity, like serving as an elder, I don't know exactly what that looks like for me, but if the church, I know that we need elders in the church here, and if the church thinks that I should do that and I could do that, then we're in a place in life that I'm willing to, to let my stand, name stand. And I want to hear from the church why they think they see this in me, because I don't see it in myself. And understand that if, if I come to the table and I'm not very good at this, then I'll quit. Okay, I'm not going to make problems for anybody in this. You know, a tremendous attitude that Carl has. Make sure everybody understands this is not about, there, there's, there's no power seeking anything. It was really clear with Carl. But he said, if people need spiritual guidance and, and shepherding, and Karen and I can help provide that in this church, then we're glad to be able to do that. Okay, so there's going to be more information coming. Carl Spiegel has let his name stand at the other point at this point in time. And again, the others that came to the table said, I may serve in the future, I just cannot right now, but I'm really excited about what's happening, and I'm, I'm going to, in whatever way, continue to, to grow and to stretch and, and, uh, with me and my family and be the person that God wants me to be. And so that's, I think, great news. Now, we'll talk more about this process and the great things that have come, I think, from this process as we go along here. But we're going to, uh, um, so I want to make sure that we, uh, we walk through and, and get to what we're going to talk about today. Okay, we've, I've been walking through some lessons on Sunday morning about the spiritual disciplines and how those lead us to freedom in Christ. Because we as Christians 
can, can come to God and be saved and then walk through a whole life being miserable and being distracted by whatever is happening among, right in front of our face right now. And we miss being free and the joy and the peace that God gives us. And so we talked the last few weeks about how God is a forgiver. And that's a promise that we have from God. That is a principle that God, when we come to God in faith, repentance, baptism, and we, we enter God's covenant, then we are forgiven. That is a promise from God. And even if we don't feel like it, we can walk through understanding and receiving this healing in our hearts to realize that, yes, God has forgiven me, and I am free of all those burdens of the past. And I'm, I'm willing to, and, and I know because of God's grace, I'm walking ahead. There is something that comes up in Scripture that is, that is a real important concept that we're going to talk about for a little bit today, is that God has called us to be a people who confess our sins to each other. Now, depending on where you come from, in some religious groups, confession is mandatory and it happens on a regular basis and it's part of being that part of that group that you have to go do that. And if you didn't grow up in a Christian background at all, your, your history is confess. Why on earth would I tell anything that I've, that I've ever done wrong to anybody else? Why would I want to do that? That's, 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 I'm not going to do that. So a confession simply is telling the sins, the shortcomings we have to God and to someone else. And there is, sometimes when we think about confession, I know there's a story that I heard came up, came, came to mind, is there were four people that went to lunch together and they said, well, you know, we understand that confession is important, that we're supposed to confess our sins to each other, so let's try this, let's see how this works. And so one confessed for a few minutes and told some things that he had been involved with that he wanted to leave behind, and then the person number two did, and person number three did. And they got to person number four and said, all right, what sins do you have? And the, the person said, well, I'll tell you, the, the shortcoming I have and, and the sin that I have is I'm a huge gossip and I cannot wait to leave this room <laughs> and tell everybody what you guys are involved in. You know, that sort of thing come, is, is sometimes how, how confession goes awry or how it goes wrong. But let's walk back and we see that this is not something that just popped out of the air in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament... In Leviticus 5.5, 5, you see this, and this is the quote here from the scripture that Moses gave in the law. When anyone becomes aware that they are guilty in any of these matters, they must confess in what ways they have sinned. So this was, is in the context of bringing a sacrifice before God. When you bring a sacrifice before God, it wasn't just, hey, I'm going to bring the sacrifice, throw it on the altar, go my way. But part of that was confessing and specifically confessing sins while you um, made that sacrifice. That's what God called his people to do. And you see over and over again, if you look through these examples, in, in Samuel leads one, Ezra, Nehemiah, in Daniel, you see it with John the Baptist, and you see it in Ephesus. And we're going to look at this one in Acts 19 here in just a second. But in all these situations, what you see is the people of Israel or with John the Baptist, again, the people of Israel, uh, Ephesus, you have mostly Gentiles here. But people coming together and saying, we have sinned against God. We have been involved in all sorts of things that are not godly, sharing those things. And what happens is on the Immediately after, there is great spiritual revival that happens in these communities of faith. You think about it with John the Baptist. They came to him, they confessed their sins, and they were baptized in the Jordan River. And because within the religious dynamic of Jesus' day, that confession wasn't really on the table. Religious leaders, why on earth would they confess? You know, they're, they're not going to confess. They're going to be people that, that um, just protect their turf, and we know that about the life of Jesus. 
But people were able to come to John the Baptist and realize that there was a different spirit here, that they could confess their sins, they could get it off their chest, they could be baptized, they could be healed, they could be changed and transformed. Look at Acts chapter 19, and I'll start reading in verse 17. And what happens is uh, there's a, there's a, something goes awry, and it scares people there in Ephesus in the church. But look at verse 17. It says, When this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Because there were some Jews going around casting out people, in, uh, or casting out demons, and it, it didn't go well. And so there's, it scared people, and they wait, thought, wait a minute, maybe this Jesus guy, there's something to him. Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. So people, even though they were believers in Jesus, had this secret dark sin on the side. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. A lot of money, you know, a huge amount of money. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And so what happens there in Ephesus is the people come to a point where they are, are scared because of the situation that happens and realize, man, this, is, this God is real. And I'm going to confess the stuff that I've been involved with. I'm going to lay it out there. And you see what happens in the, the last verse that I read there? In this way, the, Lord, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. And because people were willing to confess and be transparent, the word of the Lord, the Spirit came into them that, that went out and changed the world in that area. So examples of confession, when we see that people, when people decide to be confessional people, when that becomes a culture of who we are, then there's great spiritual revival that goes immediately afterwards. There is... A, I want to share something else here. I guess the question is, I, as a Christian, how can I be forgiven and healed? How do I, how do I go about this? Okay? And we know the scripture says that we're to confess our sins. So let's go to 1 John chapter 8. We're going to look at, at 1 John chapter 8 and then uh, James chapter 5. And both of these scriptures talk about confession. 1 John chapter 1, right near the end of, of the New Testament there. 1 John chapter 1, and I'll read verse 8. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, you can continue to read there. There's, there's more on both paragraphs on both sides of that right there. But what John tells us is that if we confess, God will forgive and purify you from unrighteousness. That's the promise that we have from God. If we give confession, uh, if we confess the sins that we have, God's going to forgive, he's going to purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay, but if we have... Oh, well, we got fell off the bottom side there. Um, okay, but if there's not confession, if we're people that do not confess... Now think about that. As he mentions there, if we claim that we have no sin or that sin is not in us, then John says, the truth is not in you. You're deceiving yourselves. This is a problem. If you're not seeing that in yourself, and even as, as we've been washed in the blood of Jesus, we've become Christians, if, we, if we're not honest with ourselves and we believe that somehow, somewhere, we struggle with that sinful nature, then we're deceiving ourselves. We're missing the healing that God is offering for us. And so we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Okay, 
So we'll talk about more about the first part of this, is God healing and forgiving here in just a minute. But here's, here's something to think about. The question, I ask myself the question, why is it that I, as a person, do not walk, do not practice confession to my brothers and sisters sometimes? Or, or why is, why is, do we not, do we struggle with that as a people? And I think in every generation, every people, that's going to be something we wrestle with. Okay. I think about a few different things. You know, number one, again, if God or Satan can keep us busy or comfortable, then what's the need to slow down and, and confess and reflect? We just don't we don't reflect. We don't tend to do that. Or if we've been in a situation where uh, we've been hurt, like the story I told earlier, where we've shared something that is that, that we've committed and it's been on our heart, and then someone goes and tells that. That's hard, and and it. It can cause us to say, "All right, time out. I don't. I've been burned. I don't think I'm going to do that again." And and Satan wins if that happens, uh, because it's we're, we're missing a, a bigger picture. But I've seen as well as that sometimes if 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 I am a person that is not forgiving and I have not really worked on that in my own life, then I'm not going to be a person that confesses much because I don't see how someone can forgive me because I tend to not do that towards other people. Okay, there's all sorts of ways that we can wrestle through this, and ultimately the end result is I'm not going to tell anybody about what's going on in my life, or I'm not going to share any of that. I'm not going to share my shortcomings because I don't want to do it, because I just don't see what's going to come out of it. And we can uh, we just move on through life, and we miss out on on all that's happening there. Maybe one of the big things for us to remember is that we, are, as a people, as Christians, are not to be to be a country club of saints. Or every, you know what I mean by that? Everybody's great, everybody's perfect, everybody's got all stuff together. The reality is, is we're all messed up. Okay, that's why we're here. We're Christians not because we think we're perfect, because we know we're not, and that's why we're here and not somewhere else. Okay on Sunday, because that's so important for us to realize that, is that we are a hospital of sinners come together to be able to bring each other more into God's presence and what he wants us to be. Okay, let's go to John, or to, uh, uh, to James. Go ahead and turn to James. James, chapter 5, read in verse 13 through 16. Is anyone of you among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church and pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Okay, so here's, here's what James says in a nutshell. Confess your sins to each other. That's what happens, because healing comes from that. And pray for each other, and call the elders to pray and anoint you. That's, that's one of those healing processes that can happen, that we see in Scripture here. If there's something that you just continue to have burden of, of guilt on you, and you just can't seem to heal spiritually, then that's a great place that Scripture talks about. It's call the elders of the church to come to, to anoint you, to pray with you, and to walk you through some of that. And maybe some of that involves confession. Uh, getting getting things out so that you can be able to heal. And you notice, this is the promise of God here, is that we come together, we confess our sins to each other, we pray for each other, and we call the elders to, to pray and anoint. Then what happens and what comes out of that is healing. Again, we get to leave all those burdens behind, and we don't have to be carrying them around on our shoulders. 
So think about this, okay? Here's some, how do we confess our sins? Here's some practical things that I've found helpful. Number one, you've got to find somebody, okay? It's important for us to confess our sins to God and to walk through life that way and be one who is confessional, that we're transparent and we, we, don't, uh, we don't try to hide. We're, we, we just, we, we let God know what's there. Because he knows anyway, doesn't he? But there's something that's very powerful about how God has, what God has called us to be as people, um, you see this in the book of John, is Jesus saying to his disciples before he's, uh, um, before he's taken up into heaven, before he goes through some of that end, end of life things there. He talks about them, he tells them, you, know, you are to forgive each other. And, and some of that is us being a priesthood of believers, is that all of us are priests, as scripture tells us in the New Testament, all of us are priests of God. And so in the Old Testament, people would come to visit the priests. They would make the sacrifice. They would make, you know, give, you know, give their confession, and there was forgiveness that were given. And each one of us is put in that position to do that and to share those burdens with each other. And so find someone who is a Christian, and my recommendation is find somebody who is further along the spiritual journey than you are. Okay, Because... Uh, that's, they're going to be one who can help you and pray with you and, uh, and walk through some things that, um, that a person who is, who is younger and more immature, they're just not going to know what to do with it. And so confession, if we, we approach somebody and unload our stuff on somebody that is spiritually immature, that can create all sorts of heartache and damage. Okay? So find somebody who's further along the journey than you are and say, hey, i got some things I want to confess. Can I meet up with you, confess and pray, and let's walk through some of this, because I want to find this healing that Scripture talks about. I want that. I, I need that. I desire it. And so find somebody. Then be specific. Okay? My tendency, my temptation, is to give this general confession that doesn't really give much for specifics. Okay? But if all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, all of us have sin in our life, that we we're working to that Jesus' blood is is washing us, but we're still fighting that sinful nature back. Then each one of us is in a place that's similar to God, or similar in front of God, I should say, uh, because we're uh, we're we're all falling short of what God wants us to be. And so again, we're all messed up. We all fall short. Therefore, that specific nature of confession helps things come out. That uh, it helps me from uh, to not be hiding stuff, but to be truthful and honest and all that. Okay, and be repentant. Okay, it's important for us when we when we confess to not walk through it and say, "Oh, you know, no big deal, whatever." But repentant means we change our hearts and our minds to go a different direction with God and make no excuses. Okay, when we confess to God and our and we say, "Well, I did this, but that person did this to me first, What that does. Is, is it just, it, it makes it so that we're, we're normalizing what, what we've done instead of just saying and owning it. I have sinned in front of God and I need to repent of this and I need to change. And I ask for healing and I ask for, for, for you to walk me through this. Um, and then accept the forgiveness and the healing. That's the, uh, the beautiful thing that God has, has given us there. The ability to confess to each other and to each other, we can say, maybe I haven't, uh, you haven't sinned against me, but I know that I forgive you. I forgive you, and God forgives you. And ha- let me walk through this with you into this healing process so that you can leave these burdens behind.
As God says, as far as they are from the east to the west, I have forgiven their sin and I will remember it no more. Hey, I'm convinced that, that many in our world miss out on some of the greatest peace and the greatest joy in life because we carry around things that we just do not know that the blessing of, of what confession is going to do. Uh, there is, um, there's times, and, and it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, I think it's powerful. When someone has sinned, and, and it's one of those things that, is, that has affected many, many people. Once in a while, someone will, will share in the church here that I've sinned, and I, I've, I've, I've hurt many people because of that. I know that there's, there's times where if I'm sitting there thinking, oh man, I don't want to go in front of people and tell something like that. That's, that's a bad deal. I, you know, that's embarrassing. That's all of that. But people that have done that can tell you the healing that comes from that and the people that respond and say, man, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I'll walk through you, through life with you because of, of your confession in that. Okay, so I guess what it boils down to here, and this is um, this is important for us to remember. For pe- whenever we go to a friend and we share something um, that we have fallen short of uh, because of uh, because of sin, there's a psychological aspect to that. It's good for us to talk. It's good for us to cope. It's good for us to walk through that. Now, I know that I know that from some of the training that I've done on critical incident stress management. I've shared that with you. When there's big trauma that happens in a person's life, and I, I was in this class with a bunch of people who were, who were police officers that were that were uh, hospital workers that were um, that were fire department crews, and when you have big trauma that happens in life, if you're able to get in a group where you can talk and you can debrief that and just share how did this affect me within the next week or so, ten days, the level of dysfunction oftentimes goes from here to here. And the same is true with us in confession. When we're able to confess and to share to someone sitting face by face to face, saying, look, I've done these things and I just want you to pray with me and I want you to help me with understanding God's forgiveness. What happens is, is it's really good for us because it helps us, helps us just psychologically to be able to do that. But for Christians, there's an element that is much greater and much more important. Is Jesus went to the cross to die for our sins and raised to never die again and says, I'm coming back for you. I have destroyed death. I have destroyed the sinful sin. I've taken care of all that as far as it is from the east to the west. And what I want you to do is live for me until I come back and be ready for me to come back. And confession, what it does is brings us into the very presence of God and helps us in spiritual ways that we will never understand in this life to eliminate all of that and to heal in ways that we could never, ever imagine. And so if you're sitting there, and, and it may be, a, may be someone who is, maybe there's great, great burdens on you, and maybe there's not. Uh, maybe this, this lesson is thinking, yeah, I'd, I'd do that, I've done that, I've never thought about that for a while, that's just not something that's on my shoulders. Well, I read an account of a guy, and I've never done this myself, but I think I should, and it would be, it would be good is he felt that God was just not using him as much as he wanted to be used. So what he did is he sat down and he wrote down from different phases in his life, sins that he could remember, that he knew that God had forgiven, but, but that were there. And then he sat down with someone who was a spiritual mentor and read through those sins. And after he was done, there was just silence. 
And this gentleman took the list and he was going to put it into his, his bag. And his spiritual mentor took the list, ripped it up, and put it in the garbage can. And said, you don't need to look at those anymore. They're done. They're gone. You've been forgiven for all of that. And the young man said, I didn't feel from that experience, I didn't feel any great sense of, of being released from sin. Nothing changed. There was n- none of this, oh great, finally I'm free of all this. But what I noticed is that I saw God's presence in my life more than I ever had before that. And I think that was just something within me. I needed to share some of those things because it brought me to a spiritual place that I was never at before. So it wasn't about, about great burdens. It wasn't about great feelings and, and walking through that. It was just about being all that God wanted him to be. And so that's something I guess I'll leave with all of us, is that no matter where you're at in life, no matter what your situation is, whether you feel those great burdens or whether you don't, if you find that you don't have the freedom in Christ that you look around and you see with other people, I would encourage you to find somebody who's a spiritual mentor to you. Say, I want to sit down. I want to confess. I want to walk through this. And you confess and see where God provides healing at this point in your life. And um, I know that, and, and all of us, we know this, if we don't have the blessings of Christ in our life, we miss out on so much. We miss out on the peace. We miss out on the joy. And I hope as Christians, we don't go through life missing on that as well because we're just not willing to confess the real stuff that's inside of us. If you've noticed here in the last while, um, I've mentioned uh, in the invitation, if you have prayers to the church, you want to become a Christian, head to the back. There's a couple of reasons for that because our elders will wait there in the back for you. And they're willing to pray with you and to walk through with you any spiritual issue that you have right now. And one of the elders is busy, there's others. You know, I'll point you to someone and, and we'll pray and we'll, we'll work through things. And because I think that's so important. Because uh, oftentimes you won't, don't necessarily need to walk down to the front and share with everybody. And as a side note, as a per, just personally, um, it's always awkward for me to stand up front saying, hey, come down, and then sit there and look at you, and you're looking at me and back and forth. It's just kind of awkward. Whatever, that's just my personal thing. That's, uh, people are different. That's how I roll. But, that, but I want to stress that that opportunity is there. The elders are there in the back after every assembly waiting for you to talk with you, to pray with you, to walk you through whatever situation may be there so you can find the grace and peace and joy that God really wants you to have. Let's stand and sing together.